Who's the leader of the club that's made for you and me? G-A-R-I-N-E-V-I-L-L-E Welcome to the Sound of Football podcast. I'm Graham Sibley, and as ever, I'm joined by Jan Bilton. Hello. And Terry DeFellon. Hello. In the middle of another international break. Yes, the second of three international breaks that happen in the autumn. Every autumn. Uh, And of course, it comes with the regular sort of, oh God, international breaks. Oh, why don't they just put them all at the end of the season? We could have like a big international festival, like, you know, in April and not have any international breaks. Wouldn't that be a great idea, guys? Guys? Yes. Um, Yeah. No, I'd be willing to listen to that idea. Yeah. It's safe in the knowledge that it'll never happen. Indeed. Yeah. You got to play them sometime, haven't you? We just need to get you take a week off club football, can't you? And just watch the game at its highest level. Watch players who play in the highest level it's possible for them, for the highest level in the country that they're in, not some backwater place in the Middle East, for example, that you could be playing in. Well, yes, you could be that, and then coming back to play for your country, you know, coming back all that way, playing for your country, and then getting booed for all that effort, eh? Where's the gratitude, eh? Yes, Jordan Henderson, Sunderland's own Jordan Henderson, came back, paid his 79th cap for England and was booed by a section of fans in the game against Australia. How they were still awake after an hour of England versus Australia (laughs) is anyone's guess. But those guys were, and they were exercising their right to show disapproval. Was it a designated section, Graham? You said it was a section. It was a section. were Were they cordoned off? Well, no, they look no, no, like no. all just, together. So, hello, well, we're the Jordan think, Anderson booers. All like, oh, right, yeah. So, you need to go out through gate three, seat 12, th- row 52. No, I, I don't think it was an, a specific section. I don't think it was the booing Jordan Henderson section. I think it was more a percentage of fans, say, say like 5% of fans or 1% of fans. Yeah, something like that. I don't have the figures to hand, I'm afraid. <laughs> Those statistics aren't published, I'm afraid. But there was audible boos for him. I mean, I, people can exercise their right to boo with anything when they're a, a football match. But was Gareth Southgate right to defend it? Or I mean, he obviously defended it because he was asked about it by a journalist. Um, <laughs> he, he didn't choose to defend it. It was probably <laughs> just something that, yeah. Oh, Gareth, what do you think about Jordan Henderson getting booed? So, yeah, I mean... But you were there, were you? God. You know exactly what happens at these things, don't you? Gareth Southgate slams England boo boys. He's got history, hasn't he, looking out for his team because um, Harry Maguire gets a lot of uh, stick and he always stands up for him, which I, you know, can differ on whether you you agree with him or not. But he's, I think he's quite consistent in his approach there when he's looking after his players, as as any coach should be, really. What puzzles me about this is why was Jordan Henderson being booed? Was he being booed for um, his perceived lack of foresight in, in moving away to a place where it's illegal to be homosexual, uh, having given so much support to that community in the UK? Or was he being booed because he doesn't deserve to play for England because he plays in a nothing league? Now, I would have booed at him for the last one. 
I don't think that many England fans have got the... Um, I don't know. How can I put it? I don't think there's that many enlightened England fans that would be too worried about his uh, perceived two-facedness. Mm. Am I being unfair there? I don't think you're being unfair there at all. What about you, Terry? What do you think? It sort of goes against the sort of perception of your average England fan, doesn't it, really? Sort of like booing a player because they've moved to Saudi Arabia and, and presumably booing them because you disagree with the ethics of that particular regime. And in particular, as Jan points out, the fairly obvious hypocrisy of moving to Saudi Arabia, having been a, a confirmed and public ally of the LGBTQ plus community. Well, I think he probably is entitled to receive some backlash about that. He's entitled to receive some criticism. And yes, that can transform itself into booze, but it's quite odd that it's happened at an England game because I think you tend not to associate a lot of England fans with having those kind of opinions and being willing to to express them in the way that they do. And so it was quite interesting that that happened. I wonder, has anybody had the opportunity to to ask or gauge any kind of feeling that, uh, from the fan base as to whether or not this was the actual reason? Or was it simply, as Jan points out, the fact that, you know, that, that he shouldn't be there because he plays for a crap league now? He should be gone. I don't know. Sounds weird. Yeah, it does. I think that it was probably more down to the latter. I think, all right, that game against Australia was very much a, uh, had a feeling of being international, didn't it, with the players that were out? Because there are a lot of players were, who I thought actually fully deserving of a full England cap, but not being selected because Gareth's got his favourites. And that seems to be a continuing narrative amongst uh, a lot of social media, where obviously the opinions of fans are, are regarding selection is a lot more public than it would be, say, in the pages of newspapers, which are probably more uh, swayed by whoever agent is talking to them, really. So, I'd, yeah, it's probably more strictly down to the fact that we don't like this player, we don't think he should be playing for him because he's passed it. A lot of reason why there wasn't too many tears shed about him when he left Liverpool. I think it was more of the fact that there wasn't really perceived to be enough cover for him when he did leave. And that was more down to the fact that Liverpool's transfer targets didn't end up going to the club. Yeah, I I don't know the reason why. And I don't really want to dwell on it too much. It was It's just more a question of, of how the narrative of England at the moment is, again, being dragged back into culture wars, isn't it? If that section of fans have booed Jordan Henderson because they have a principal position on LGBTQ rights and are opposed and unhappy with Jordan Henderson and the action that he's taken, then it does deviate from the perception of your typical England fan. And I think that that in itself is quite interesting. I think it's probably reasonable to say that were England travelling, if these games had been, if they had been away from home, I don't know whether or not that would have happened. And when England play away from home next... And Jordan Henderson comes off the bench. I don't think he'll be booed. I wonder whether there's a, a third reason, and that may well be because he took a stance when he was in England. We saw a similar thing happen, didn't we, when players started taking the knee a few seasons back, and England fans were booing them then. So maybe it's maybe they've, they've forgotten about the hypocrisy <laughs> of him moving to Saudi Arabia, and they're just going, "Yeah, yeah, I don't like you because of that thing that you 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 said back then." That may be true. That may well be it. And the other option, the final reason why it might be, is that for some reason he's upset Cheryl Cole. Ah. Because that's the last time a major international got booed. 
because he upset Cheryl Gold. But it was Aspie Cole, to be fair. So, you know. Well, I guess we'll never get to the bottom of this. But hey, England do play Italy on Tuesday night, just as this is coming out. So we don't know if Jordan Henderson will be playing. I suspect that he won't be, but I think he might come on during the game, you know, just to show a bit more of the uh, of the manager's support behind him. And because Gareth Southgate's a creature of habit, that's why he picks the same players all the time. And Jordan Henderson is one of the players that he picks a lot. So it wouldn't surprise me if he does turn up. And England only have to get a point to qualify. It really is lacking jeopardy, this whole qualification campaign, isn't it? Which is probably why the press are looking for something else to talk about. It's just not the same when you can't just shout Southgate out because England are just being crap. It's just let everyone down, isn't it? He has let everyone down. I mean, they'll have their chance, won't they? Because, you know, he got to the final of the Euros, he got to the semi-final of the, of, the, of the World Cup. Now, there's a trend there, isn't there? Yeah. You can see it's just dropping off. <laughs> so, you know, he's it, be out of group stage in the Euros. <laughs> yeah, then, then they're going to have their day. Yeah, I, I think that Gareth has, has been a massive disappointment to the English press because of the way in which he wins more football matches than he loses. And, and yeah. he, generally speaking, a few old penalties notwithstanding, you know, gets the best out of that team. Uh, it is, you know, it's a wonderful thing where the world that we're living in, where these are the complaints that we have about Gareth Southgate when, you know, when we in the past. Things have been truly, truly dire. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Graham. They're just waiting for the Premier League to ramp up again so that they can just get some more content. But it's always the way with international breaks. Everyone just gets skittish and restless, including us, I'd say. This is true. Well done to Scotland, by the way, for getting over the line this week. Oh, yeah, well done. Well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wales still got work to do there, but it uh, yeah, should be okay. You think? I we love think the way that we skip around the home nations, <laughs> <laughs> giving we, giving equal airtime to to all members of these equal, United not, Kingdoms. Not not equal uh, in any way. <laughs> <laughs> we bigged up Scotland massively last week. Yeah, that's enough for that's one enough for season. I that's think. enough for now. We're not fooling anyone, are we? With that? No, no, no. No. Uh, so what are we actually going to concentrate on this week? Well, the big news, I suppose, club-wise this week was the news that the takeover competition for Man United, uh, who was going to be the new owner of it, well, basically it turned into a one-horse race because the Qatari bidders pulled out. Uh, so it really only just left Jim Radcliffe. Jim Radcliffe, the billionaire, is now the only bidder for Manchester United, but it turns out he's not actually going to buy the whole club. He's going to be a minority stakeholder now. It's not going to be buying the whole thing. He's just going to be spending a quarter of his money to buy a quarter of the club. So it looks like the Glazers are here for a long time. And Terry, that's not pleased many people, has it really? Especially not Man United fans. No, I mean, I think this whole process was supposed to be to get the Glazers out and they're not going. Um, they've only sold 25% of the stake of the club. So you know, it feels like it's a bit of a letdown, frankly, and not optimal at all. So I assume that the Glazers will still have a controlling interest and a say as to how the club is run. I wonder whether or not this is a prelude to a further takeover, whether or not Sir Jim Ratcliffe is going to buy this initial 25% stake with a view to then taking on more as it comes along. So maybe it won't be a full dramatic takeover, but it'll be a gradual takeover. That's a possible outcome. I'd say that it was a likely outcome, actually. But we don't know that. And I would imagine that most Man United fans, in fact, all Man United fans, who are sick of the Glazers and feel that they are responsible for the club's ills and its decline, would rather have seen, well, anybody take over. But I suspect a significant number of them would have rather have seen um, Sheikh Yassin take over because 
of the aforementioned pots of money that he was it was going to bring <laughs> with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it, Jan? Because when you see someone who is part of a royal family in the Middle East comes to take over a club, people all naturally assume that he's just going to spend money like nobody's business and, and not expect anything in return. When it's a British billionaire, you sort of think there's something in the back of your head to well, hang about. He might want something back for his investment. Do you think that's the case? That's definitely the case. I don't think there'll be many Manchester United fans doing backflips over this because you're, you're right. One, it hasn't wrested any control away from the hated Glazers. And there's been, you know, Man United fans have, have been incredibly vocal and have had actual protests. You know, they've been coordinated in their approach to this. And this won't change anything. As well as that, it's not really Jim Ratcliffe that's buying it. it's his organisation who runs the organisation but they're partly now a subsidiary of, uh, of Ineos the, the interesting thing is what they're getting for their 25% stake they'll just get a quarter of the seats in the boardroom um, there's talk that they want to take over footballing operations which could put an interesting light on this so I imagine more will come to light over the coming days but it, you know what they have bought for their billion quid could be more significant than we think there are lots of people who have their say on Manchester United and I suppose one of the most listened to voices is Gary Neville. Now, Gary Neville's opinions often appear on this podcast because he usually comes out with them on a Sunday or a Monday and uh, and they fall into our lap and so it gives us something to talk about. But he went on Twitter and really delivered a, a manifesto. It was a very, very long tweet. Uh, thank you, Elon. Uh, it was one of those those super long tweets you get nowadays. And he's put down his list of what he calls non-negotiables that has has grown, hasn't it? It's now six non-negotiables. And there was lots of other stuff on there as well, wasn't there? Yeah, there is. I was just, just reading through it. It's a lot of fun. The, 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 shall I go through the six non-negotiables? Would that be helpful at this yeah, point? Please do. Think? do. I think so. I think that, All that right. would okay. be great. Although it is a manifesto, it is happily a relatively brief manifesto. It's not like that bloke off Andor who got squashed by that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, uh, so, firm number one is a new sporting project. That's it. The new sporting project. Okay. That's we pretty low on detail, will. to be yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a new or redeveloped Old Trafford. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yep. Pretty a much new training itself. ground. Yeah. All good so far. Yeah. yeah. A full redevelopment of the surrounding land to create a Manchester United world and amazing fan experience. No, no. Uh, let me, yeah, and I can see Rianne's got his fingers raised. But stay your hand, Milton. Let me just read through the rest. And then we, we can go back and revisit this in more detail. The listeners have one guess as to which one we'll be revisiting the most. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, number five, pay off the debt and stop taking dividends until the above is done. Mm. Is that the above? And, um, and then and he says, and adding a six due to events in the last two to three years, and I'll take a run up at this one. The club requires leadership that is statesmanlike on major issues and that enables a fairer, more inclusive and diverse game. Leadership that builds a positive environment and culture whilst adhering to the club's values and principles and one that is willing to make tough decisions to prevent an erosion in the club's public image. They need a comma in there somewhere. Well they need a copyright. You need a copywriter as well. Well you done. Yeah, that was a bit of a word salad, that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, well <laughs> done. Well done for getting through that. Now, listeners, you know what sort of podcast we are. You know how we get to the nub and the nitty gritty of, of all these big events that happen. The stuff that other people refuse to talk about, you will usually find on here. Um, however, we do like to talk about the ridiculous as well. And uh, so I'm thinking that we should devote a little bit of time to point four. 
uh, because I think the concept of Manchester United world, I don't <laughs> think this is in here. This is not an accident that this is in here, is it? This is something that Gary's been stewing on for a while. Him and Dave in their mid-20s, just before Victoria, got their first big contracts and they went to Disney World, Florida. Yeah, it's not Manchester United land, it's Manchester United world. It's going to be the Florida one. So uh, I reckon they were there. And from that moment, Genev thought, I want to recreate the happiest place on earth and it's going to be in Manchester. This is why it's there. This is no accident, is it? Jan? That's not just a words crashing together in a coincidental manner. That is an actual sales pitch for Manchester United world, an actual magic kingdom mm-hmm. a magical kingdom of dreams a magical kingdom of theater of dream. i don't know i need to work on the tagline for that but it's going to be amazing you'd be greeted by an eric Cantona with a massive heed wouldn't you <laughs> and he'd be and you'd have to pay him in manchester united dollars yeah, wouldn't you? yeah or he'll kick you <laughs> or, or he'll yeah authentic kicking from Eric Cantona. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? And while you're standing in the queue, you could have an Alex Ferguson with also a massive heed just going around shouting at you all the time. It's going to be amazing. uh, It's amazing. I can't wait to go. Yeah. Are you ready for that, Terry? Yeah, I mean, I've I've got a a visions of a massive helter-skelter that's built in the shape of Roy Keane's head. (laughs) Where as you're going down, you're being admonished to not be so excited. It's just, this is what it is. It's a, it's a Manchester United then. Why are you being so excited? <laughs> and I mean, you know, I, I think we all know what, what the bar is going to be named after or who is going to be named after, but I'll, I'll, I'll stay my hand just slightly there. This has got tremendous potential. And yes, it's smack bang in the middle of his list. Yes, yes, yes. The sporting, yes. New sporting world, yes. New or redeveloped Old Trafford, yeah. And even the noble bit at the end with the like, oh, we have to create, you know, a positive culture you know, that embraces diversity and shows statesmanlike. But that's nothing. It's all about point four. It's all about the theme park. This is what he wants. He wants to create a theme park. If you've ever walked from the uh, metro station, you have to go past uh, Old Trafford Cricket Ground to get to Old Trafford. So uh, there is this this long straight road that you walk along. And yeah, that could have a parade going up and down. It couldn't it every hour. Fireworks every night. Fireworks every night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the happiest place on earth, obviously. Yeah, except when they lose at home, as they're in the habit of doing at the moment. But uh, obviously, they wouldn't do that if it was completely Disneyfied like this, because there are no bad endings in Disney, are there? So everyone's happy all of the time, aren't they? I'm sure we're over elaborating on Genev's actual idea here, but I can't envisage any other version of Manchester United World. I mean, Terry, what do you think is a Manchester United World that isn't? A version of Disneyland. I can't see it unless it's like the O2 or something like that, in which case it's a massive concert venue with like bars and restaurants around it. But you know, I, I mean, I can see them maybe open with Elton John or something like that. And, you know, and it, it, that would work. But I can't. I would think that that's not ambitious enough. I mean, you have a concert venue at, at Manchester United World anyway. I would think that you'd have a concert venue. But no, I think it's a full lot. Concert venue, bars, clubs, restaurants roller coasters, ghost trains, it's all there. And, and you know, maybe a sort of, you know, educational part where, you know, this sort of like immersive educational centre where you go through the history of the club. I think that kids would find that amazing, a fun for all the family. 
Yeah, and and yeah, a full-on Westworld type thing where you're going to have robot players who will then hunt down and kill you after a while when they all all go horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's inevitable, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's clearly going to happen. I really looking forward to when I when I say thank you to the hot dog uh, seller when he hands me my hot dog and I say thank you very much, and then a Roy Keane robot comes up to me and says, "Stop thanking him." It's his job. It's his actual job. <laughs> he sells hot dogs. That's what he, he does. He sells hot dogs. That's he what he does. Your thanks. <laughs> he doesn't need your thanks. Just your naked criticism. <laughs> Can I have a bit more mustard on this? Don't ask for more mustard. Tell him you need more mustard. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of the Roy Keane roller coaster where the pictures are taken and you have to have a, as blank an expression as possible when you go over. <laughs> you have to be the picture of stoicism. That's the challenge. <laughs> That'll be the picture when you go in, you know, when they take a photograph so you can have it at the end. You've just got a just blank face into the camera. Yeah, yeah. They should have an attraction like a... a one where you can try and hit the ball over the bar further than Brian McClare as a bit of a nod to the old days back in the 80s and 90s when Man United were pretty awful. The actual Brian McClare, though, not someone dressed up. No, 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 the actual Brian Brian McClare. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're actually going too far back here because Genev obviously just wants to, to celebrate that period under Ferguson where they were super, super successful rather than remember the old drinky, drinky days. And <laughs> I think he just wants to celebrate, you know, winning loads of stuff. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scoring. When he was around. Yeah, when he was around. That's what he yeah. wants. That's what he Him wants. Him and his chums were around. Him yeah. and his chums, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, that wouldn't mean that, that he'd be, like, personally, like, like, picking out the person who would be playing him with a massive Gary Neville head on there. Uh, unfortunately, that means someone's going to be walking around with a massive Phil Neville head on. I'm starting to go off this idea now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, well, I I think we're getting lost in the, in the nuts and bolts of this. Um, but let's step away from point four then, shall we? We must. This is obviously something that, that he's in his head. This is what is important to Gary Neville amongst all this other stuff that is actually makes a lot of sense. But the point six is, yeah, yeah, there are, there is, there, there, yeah, there is one comma in there. Um, uh, and, and a full stop, but but that's that's about it. Um, but in all of those, those words, there are some quite interesting ideas of what he actually wants Man United to be, because th- this is one thing that that Man United have become is a bit of a laughing stock, and I think anyone that prides themselves on the tradition of the club. Uh, they think that's what's hit hardest, I suppose, in the, in the last couple of years, isn't it? With it's, it's not just being poorer on the pitch than your main rivals it's also the fact that everyone seems to be laughing at you and there's some pretty ugly stuff that's going on in in the background as well so does having the concept of a disney world type theme park surrounding your club actually improve that i mean i don't know what's going on here see i'm being dragged back into it (laughs) i thought you were about to ask a serious question about point six and I was getting ready to make a serious answer, but no, you've just gone straight back to Disney World. I can't help it. It's too much fun in there. I think maybe that's the only answer that he's got, really, is that you just have to kind of go back to the nostalgia of the pinnacle of Manchester United's history, really, was when he was there with Fergie. 
and just live in that little world in a theme park because the reality is they're not going to be anywhere near as they were while you've got the likes of City with all of their wealth and the, and the legacy that they've created there and Newcastle coming up behind them. His thoughts are just turning to nostalgia, I think, and just remembering how great it was because their future is bleak, I think. It really is. They're not going to be where they were, not for a very long time. I think the fact that he's added point six as an, I'm not going to say an afterthought, but I mean, well, it is an afterthought, actually, because he's originally had five and then he said, I'm adding the six. And this was the lengthier one. It's a bit of a shame, really, because it really, you, you, there's an argument saying that you could place those values at the heart of your football club. You put that at the top of your constitution, if you have one, and say, these are the things in which we believe. This is how we think people should behave towards each other. These are, these are the views that we hold. We want to be statesmanlike on major issues, and we want to help enable a fairer and more inclusive and diverse game, and perhaps in turn a diverse society. And we want to, as a as a symbol of a, of our community, we want to take a stand on these issues. We want to be an exemplar on these issues. And by doing that, I think what you're doing is you're tapping in on some of the old working class values that are, are come from Manchester United from way, way back. Um, all right, perhaps there's a degree of romanticism, but I mean, you could or could arguably be channeling the Busby era there, where Man United was a very, very different club and was motivated by different things. Most clubs were, to be fair. That's the kind of perhaps nostalgia or perhaps callback that you might be thinking would be a little bit more beneficial. It also sets you apart in terms of identity against Manchester City, massively so. To say, look, we're the ethical team in Manchester. We're the team that, that is embracing our roots as a club and embracing and supporting the people in our community and the people who support our club, all of the people who support our club wherever they may be and whatever they may be. And I think that's a really, really cool thing. But he's kind of, the fact that he's all like, oh yeah, and by the way, 0.6. And although, you know, he's put a lot of thought into that statement, it's the longest one. The fact that it's it's a bit of a word salad does suggest it might have been created by machine learning rather than anything else and feels like the afterthought that it is when really it's all about the theme park. And who can blame him? Because theme parks are the ones that make all the money. I mean, like that's how Disney make their money, right? They made their money out of theme parks. Yeah, it does look like a mission statement from a large multinational entertainment corporation. Um, like yeah, disney it does yeah it does it does it could easily be and then the, and then it's the kind of thing that then you know people then get hamstrung by because that's what they end up writing their scripts about and, and doing their casting by and people end up obsessing over it and what it means and how they do it it's the kind of thing that you wafer might say do you know what i mean but yeah. it doesn't really mean anything and the point thing is is that this is where statements like that end up they end up being last when really they should be first you, put, mm. you should put those these kind of statements at the very top so that they are there, so that all the things, all the laws and the, and the rules that you make up as a consequence and guidelines are all governed by that statement rather than where it tends to end up is at the bottom and as a bit of an afterthought. I think that's a bit of a shame, a bit disappointing. Mm. Is, there, is there another problem with this point six? Not from the sentiment or where it's come from. I'm sure it's written with the best intentions. But, yeah, you can easily, if you're a supporter of another club, you can easily read this as entitlement. This is how other people should respect our club because we are the paragons of all these lovely virtues. To be honest with you, Maura, actually, you know, we laugh about Manchester United World because it is hilarious. But, you know, I've got a lot of time for Gary Neville. I think he's quite a smart guy and I think he does speak a lot of sense a lot of the time. And I think just looking through the points 
you know, the, he, certainly the first three. Well, in fact, all of them, the Manchester United world thing, let's maybe just pull that apart because I think that's had enough airtime. Yeah. Um, but all of the other things are things that need to happen. You know, I'm not really sure what number one's about, but um, but yes, they need to reinvigorate Old Trafford. They need to have a new training ground. Debt needs to go, no dividends, all that type of stuff. That makes sense. And that's what the main criticism of the Glazer family has been for many, many years. So his point really, I think, is, well, so you've sold 25% off to Ineos. What's going to change? And nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change to move towards that, is what I think he's suggesting. So the question still remains, what is Manchester United's future look like when you've still got the Glazers in, in charge? And, this, you know, I mean, this the 25% sale has been going on for, well, probably the best part of 18 months, hasn't it? And so if there's going to be a further dilution of the Glazers' shareholding, then that's going to be a couple more seasons that are going to be gone for them if they were looking to improve. So I suppose the question remains open on this, doesn't it? What does change after this? And I would suggest he's saying very little. Mm. Can I ask a question? Go for it. Do you think that this is actually perhaps a, a play um, from the Qataris world? Do you think Sheikh Yassim is pretend withdrawing and is seeing what the reaction is? I understand that United's shares took something of a dive yes. after the news. Yeah, they certainly did. Kalega. And uh, is it possible that he's saying, well, look, I'm going to give you a flavour of, of what you're missing. And then just to see what the overall reaction, not just not amongst necessarily amongst the fan base and the media, but also amongst the markets as well. And that maybe he might then come back in, maybe with Sir Jim, you know, as a, as a minority stakeholder. Sir Jim might be regarded because Sir Jim Ratcliffe is a, is a, as far as I'm aware, he's a mad king Man United fan mm-hmm. and a big, big sports fan. Um, and heavily involved in in sports washing his uh, sorry in in investing Ineos into things like OGC Nice in France and yep. of course Ineos Grenadiers the cycling team the very successful British cycler used to be Team Sky and that maybe that that might be the the longer term play and then he would be perhaps the acceptable face of the Man United ownership dare I say. Mm. If that was to happen, yeah, we don't know what goes on behind the doors there, do we? I mean, I'm I would think by the noises coming out of it, it's very difficult to hear a noise, any noise that is supportive of anything that the Glazers do. So you do get the impression that they are the villains of the piece in this whole bidding process, trying to get people to outbid each other um, when they haven't outbid each other, or they've just got one of them has just got annoyed with the Glazers for their demands. Yeah, you do sort of feel like, well, is Ratcliffe really going to go ahead and say, well, actually, I'll give you a load of money, but I want a lot more than a 25% stake because you've got no one else queuing up. So, yeah, Terry, I think you're probably right. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the two main bidders have been in, in consultation to each other and say, look, these guys are just a bunch of money-grubbing clowns. We can sort this out together. I'll just go in there. I'll take what I can. Then we'll do something a bit more business-like. That would not surprise me at all. And then the Qatari money will come in and then the bulldozers will run through Trafford and they'll put in all of the roller coasters and the rides and the cinemas and the big IMAX and everything and hotels and everything and everything will be great and it'll be the happiest place on earth. And glazer clowns. (laughs) Glazer clowns, yeah. I can't believe we didn't come to that earlier. Mm. Yes. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) It is going to be amazing. Yeah, so really, I mean, it looks like, well, the fact that the Glazers are still going to own 75% of the club doesn't look like there's going to be 
any meaningful change. But I can't imagine that someone like Ratcliffe is going to put in one and a quarter billion pounds, that's what it seems to be at the moment, and not expect to have some major, major stake in the decision-making process here. Maybe point four is there just for him to say, okay, look, I'll compromise. No Manchester United will. There you go. Well, I'll put a red line through that. There you go. <laughs> right, fine, fine. That's off the table. That'd be the saddest day ever. I just it? think it's wonderful that as a non-negotiable, he wants a theme park. <laughs> Just, I just admire the man's you know, boldness. No, the, the theme park. It has to be a theme park, guys. Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart. Do you think his guys have to talk him down as well? No, Gary, you have to put that as number four. It can't be number one. Yeah, I'll hide it there. You'll hide it there between three and five. No one will notice. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're here for. The checks and balances. It all stops with us. <laughs> Reading between the lines. Yeah. We do the res- hard research so you don't have to. Yeah, yeah you're not going to get this on The Athletic, are you? <laughs> you definitely are not. You're quite <laughs> correct, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it doesn't look like much is going to change as far as Man United is concerned. Same old, same old, really, just with someone else owning 25% of it. So maybe Gary will have to go home and refine his list of of what he wants his club to be and maybe just refine point four just a little bit more because that's going to be the one that sells. It's certainly got us thinking, hasn't it? <laughs> we shouldn't really just debase football as just some kind of entertainment medium, should we, really? But let's talk about what's on telly this weekend. Ooh, <laughs> telly. Uh, what games are we watching? Because club football's back. Yes, we can finally watch some decent football rather than all that international rubbish. Club football, yeah. <laughs> what have we got this weekend? Well, we've got Milan-Juve on Sunday night. That should be fun. Uh, starting the weekend with uh, Dortmund versus Bremen. Comfortable win for Dortmund, that one, do you think? Uh, I don't think there is such a thing as comfortable win. Dortmund is certainly getting better. Um, so, yeah, hopefully so. I don't want to go in too much too into it because I, I think I'm beginning to sound like a bit of a stuck record about Dortmund. But they've been lucky, I think, mm. um, so far. Yeah. So mm. I'm going to be bouncing out Chelsea-Arsenal. Uh, I'm not going to be covering that one because I think Sevilla-Real Madrid might be a better game. Uh, Terry, does Sevilla have a manager at the moment? Yes, so they've got a new manager because they sacked um, Jose Luis Mendilibar just before the international break. Thanks very much for saving us from relegation and for the Europa League, Jose Luis, but it's bye-bye from us. So they got rid of him because they had a poor start. Diego Alonso, who I don't know that much about, to be fair, is the new coach. So that will be interesting, very interesting indeed. And yeah, how do you fancy taking on uh, Aston Villa versus West Ham for the preview? I'm sure you can think of a few nice words to say about David Moyes and the wonderful season he's having. He loves yeah, David Moyes. I do love David Moyes. I was actually and genuinely was going to pick that one, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and not just so I could um, I could slag off David Moyes. Although I do enjoy slagging off David Moyes. He'll get found out. He'll get found out. He'll <laughs> <laughs> get found out. Mm. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. He's, sta- yeah, he's standing there with the World Cup in his hands. And I'll be like, no, no. You'll get, you'll get found out eventually, Moyes. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Merseyside derby as well on Saturday lunchtime. And late on Saturday evening, well, 11 o'clock, is the final round of fixtures in the MLS. 
And if you haven't been keeping abreast of what's going on in the States at the moment, then all the team you think are good aren't good now. Um, they're struggling to get into the final stage. And Inter Miami are already out. Messi's Inter Miami uh, will not be taking part in the postseason. So, yeah, final weekend of that. So there's a few a few games still going. Uh, we'll have to wait till closer to the weekend to find out which one we're covering. But, yeah, final weekend in, in MLS. If you've got Apple TV, of course that is. I was going to say, if you've got Apple TV, if you've ever got Apple TV, then... Yeah, you're boned. You yeah, get it. Basically, boned. yeah. yeah. It's just going to be like all those people who can't watch international football at the moment because they don't have Viaplay. Well, that's part of the problem with why the international break has been is such a dud. It's like most people haven't got Viaplay. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but if you want to see what we think of what will happen in those games across the weekend, then get along to sofpodcast.com. Click on the link for the weekend box set and subscribe to our newsletter. Put your email address in the little box, press send, and you will get it on Friday lunchtime. Or you can read it on the blog. You can read it on the blog. It goes out about the same sort of time. It just means that when you forget to do it next week, then don't blame us because, you know, you, you didn't get it sent to your inbox. Not our fault, your fault. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but that's all we have time for this week. So, from me, Graham Sibley, from Jan Bilton, and from Terry Fellow, it's goodbye. 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 You can contact us through our website sofpodcast.com via Twitter at Sound of Football or on Facebook.com slash Sound of Football Gary Neville put a very very long post out on Twitter about what he says is the non-negotiables a new or redeveloped Old Trafford a new training ground full redevelopment of the surrounding lands to create a Man United world an amazing fan experience like Disney World, <laughs> Disney World, Disney World, Trafford. Yeah. Oh God, we've got it. We could we could do we've a whole pod, a pod just now. on that last point. Yeah, I'm pay off the door now. Pay off the debt. We could have and... people dressed up as old players with massive heads. <laughs> massive <laughs> heads. You? So you had me at Man United World. Let's record. Well, should we just talk about I'm Man United World? Just go. <laughs> Press record. Okay. Okay. <laughs>